welcome to another episode of Kovera Insights, where we speak with uh, industry leaders on what's going on in the markets and how you can use equity to grow your wealth in the long run. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. He actually doesn't need an introduction. Uh, Mr. Prashant Jain, uh, he's the Executive Director and Chief Investment Officer at SDFC Mutual Fund, um, one of the largest AMCs in India with 4,38,000 crores of assets under management. Um, Prashant himself has a very rich and storied career in capital markets, having spent 30 years um, in investment management. Uh, he personally manages over 90,000 crores in AUM and uh, also has one of the, I think, rare distinctions of having managed a fund for 26 years. Prashant's background, uh, he has a management MBA from IIM Bangalore and he is a Bachelor of Engineering from IIT Kanpur. Welcome, Prashant. I hope you're doing well. Well, thanks, Gaurav. All well, and thank you for uh, uh, hosting me on this. Uh, Our pleasure, and thanks for coming over. So let's start with you know the, the I think the, the first question that I would personally also love to know is you've spent uh, such a long time in Indian capital markets, right? Um, what would you what would your view be looking backwards? What were the two or three pivotal changes? Um, that kind of led to whatever growth we have seen in this space and what lies ahead in the future. I mean, in, you know, in terms of, if you look at equity participation, um, we are still, you know, in the, in the low single digits while um, other countries have much higher equity participation. So going forward, what else do you see will change or, or bring momentum to this trend? Thanks, Gaurav. That's a very pertinent question. And I think the uh, packaging of equity markets has clearly changed a lot and hard to uh, recognize uh, the two are so different from each other. Those were the days when there was, you know, open try bidding and stuff like that. And now, of course, we have all electronic uh, trading. I think uh, while a lot of uh, technology and packaging has changed, the core remains the same. <clears throat> And markets way back then used to be driven by sentiment, by greed, by hope, by fear. And then and the same is true now in the near to medium term. And of course, over the long term, as I have experienced a number of times, markets uh, tend to do what uh, fundamentals uh, would suggest. And I started my career way back in 91 when it was one of the biggest uh, periods of excesses that Indian capital markets have uh, witnessed. The index went up almost 10 times between 88 to 92. 400 index, Sensex became 4,000. Right. So I think, but eventually all those excesses corrected and 2000 saw the same with the technology, 2008 saw the same with you know, real estate uh, and power utilities, et cetera. So I think the the uh, places where there are excesses, they keep on changing. I think the core of the markets remains the same. In this period, the uh, industry, the mutual fund industry, the intermediaries, the broking, the IFAs, the national distributors have all evolved a lot. I still remember when I mean, nothing would sell but mutual funds at par. Only at par funds could sell. And I think we have clearly come a long way. 
the retail investor, many of them have matured a lot. Longevity of, I mean, way back then, mutual funds used to be looked upon as shares. And now, clearly, there is far better understanding. I think what has gone into all this is, of course, a generational shift of people. And India, as you know, every 10 to 20 years, we have a new generation of uh, savers. The current generation is far more secure, well-informed, uh, risk-taking, open to new ideas. And of course, technology has changed, regulations have changed, expense ratios have come down, costs have come down, transparency levels have gone up, distribution has become far, far more well-organized. So as you rightly said, while we have come a long way, we still have a long way to go. I think it's a continuous uh, process. And I think the current low interest rate uh, environment the rising confidence, especially of the younger class, I think boards well for equity participation and for allocation to equities in household uh, balance sheets. Great. Uh, just, just to pick on one point, right? I mean, you mentioned that uh, there is this uh, cyclicality of excesses that keep on coming back in the market. You mentioned 88 to 92 was once its time. And then, of course, you know, 2000 and then uh, 2006, 2008. Um, for an investor, right, and, and most of our users, you know, they are, they, are, uh, they, are, they are investing in mutual funds, they're managing their own portfolio, um, either with the help of an advisor or, or themselves directly. Are there ways that you have seen in your career that can help someone identify that they are going through a period of excess? And would you characterize what has happened in the last one year as one such period? Or is it only possible to identify these period of excesses uh, when we look back at them? Well, I think there are some very uh, simple ways in which you can get a sense. See, equities are both an art and a science. And that is what uh, I mean, makes it uh, possible to be roughly right. Uh, I don't think one can be precisely right in uh, markets, but broad sense one can definitely get. As simple as look at uh, valuations, look at P multiples. If you are buying a reasonably mature business, even with higher permits of growth at 60, 80, 100 P multiples, it is time to be cautious. And I'm not sure if uh, uh, everyone even understands what a 100 P means. I think that that is the first thing that you must at least try to appreciate. What does a 100P mean? And you can go back and check in history that whenever businesses have traded at such expensive valuations, what has been the medium to long-term outcome? And in most cases, you will find that the medium to long-term outcomes have not been good at all. Right. I think uh, uh, sharp increase in retail participation rapid rise in stock prices, expensive uh, valuations, at least in pockets, and a rapid rise in primary market activity. These are signs which uh, suggest an excess. And uh, it does not mean that markets will correct tomorrow. This may continue for some time. It may continue for one or two years. But uh, eventually, if you keep on moving the way we are moving in this direction, I think it's not a big correction. At least it is time 
to moderate once returns are expected. Fair enough, fair enough. And, and um, if, if, you know, if you think about some of the uh, fairly simple signals that, you know, Prashant has just spoken about, um, quite a few of them are, uh, are true today. You know, there is a massive increase in retail participation, valuations are higher compared to history, and we have had a pretty big run up. So, uh, so tell us about, you know, where we are and, and where you think we are in the earnings cycle and where we, you think we are, um, you know, in terms of how this earnings story is going to play out. Because um, like you rightly said, the way that markets are valued today, um, the only thing that can bring some rationalization is an earnings recovery. Um, so uh, what are your views on uh, there? Well, Gaurav, I think, see, one, earnings are genuinely recovering. And uh, last year was a year impacted by COVID and lockdown. Right. But uh, very counterintuitively, very surprisingly, that was one of the best years for earnings. And uh, the reasons are, of course, uh, varied across the sectors. For example, banks experienced the end of the NPS cycle last year. Businesses like IT, pharmaceuticals, FMCG, they are typically not much impacted by uh, last year's conditions. Commodity prices have gone up very counterintuitively. That has helped the commodity sectors in uh, India. And the consumer discretionary part, the airlines, retail, automobiles, white goods, brown goods, that were meaningfully impacted are still impacted. They account for maybe 15-20% of the markets. And that's why uh, uh, this massive earnings recovery was uh, possible. I think, uh, however, as I said earlier, uh, in fact, barring 1992, when across the board, almost everything was expensive. And the markets then were trading at almost 40x, 40 times, the broader markets. Right. I don't think we have seen such valuations uh, since then. And post that, whatever excesses have been there have been in portions or pockets of the markets. 99, tech, 2007, power, NBFCs, etc. I think the excesses are uh, not as much there in large caps as they are there in some small and mid cap uh, pockets. In large caps, there are sectors that are expensive. Like I personally find consumer-oriented uh, stocks to be pretty expensive in India. And uh, but I mean that's not a sector which is going to collapse because it's a very steady, secular growing sector. And last time when we were in a similar situation was in 1995. And for 10 years, the stock prices or five, 10 years, the stock prices remained flat. So the earnings grew, prices remained flat, PE multiples gradually moderated, but the stocks per se did not uh, come correct sharply. Uh, it was a time-based correction rather than a price. It was a time-based, because that's the nature of the business. The business right. is extremely less uh, volatile. Uh, I think the this time around, we are seeing some excesses in the uh, small mid-cap space. And I personally find the chemical space to be pretty expensive. While it's a growing sector, it should grow. We should grow our exports. We should gain share from China. But I still feel, given the characteristics of this business, uh, 
the i multiples appear excessive to me what is happening in the new economy space uh, while definitely the share of the share of profits the share of economic activity by these new age businesses will go up but i am sure there will be many failures as well many disappointments and the valuations what we are seeing make me somewhat cautious and we are also seeing a very large supply of uh, stock in the primary markets and uh, you will see a clear trend whichever pockets are most expensive that is where most of the supply is seen because that is where the entrepreneurs the pe investors they would like to reduce their risk currently if you see a lot of supply also is in these two areas uh, i don't think these are two areas which account for more than maybe 15 20% of the aggregate markets yeah. if you think 3 5 years i think these markets should still deliver Uh, returns that are more than uh, bonds comfortably but still i would say it is time to be cautious it is time to focus on sustainability valuations and remain uh, diversified uh, very very fair point prashant you you briefly mentioned on new age economy um, ipos can, can we talk a bit more about that right i mean there is uh, the good news is that um or one way to look at it is that you know the the startup economy is maturing and some of these companies are doing an ipo however the point you made is that you know uh, some of those valuations may look really rich unless these companies are able to show that phenomenal amount of growth as a public company which of course carries a lot more scrutiny um also um how do you look at these ipos right i mean do you look at how much of the money is being raised at capex or how much of money is uh just uh, just promoters selling shares what are some of the easy ways for an end investor because we are seeing a lot of these ipos being massively oversubscribed by retail right i mean these are these are household brands so there is a familiarity here um how would you uh, what would you kind of you know advise these ipo investors what are some of the key things you would want to look at one gorab whenever you are faced with the prospects of easy money you should be cautious okay that is one very simple rule and it seldom fails you, you know? and the whatever the majority does also doesn't prove to be right in stock markets at least sure is true for elections but not true for capital markets because whatever everyone wants to buy becomes very expensive and what no one wants to buy becomes very cheap so i think more often than not uh if you do what the majority is not doing or the opposite of that the risk reward is more uh, favorable now coming to these businesses i think these businesses are wonderful for the country they are wonderful for the economy because in aggregate they will create jobs they will create uh, very competitive new age businesses some of them will become global businesses they will get lot of capital into the country uh, so i think the it is absolutely wonderful essential very promising for the country but what we are discussing here is uh, the our assessment of these businesses as investors in uh, capital markets here i think 
the answer is not very clear because the range of outcomes of these businesses is extremely wide. Very, very, if you think five, 10 years, I mean, some business can go from one to 100, and some may go from one to 20, or some may not go anywhere at all. So I think the, there is very little past history to go by. These are business models that are not uh, mature. These are business models uh, which may get uh, disrupted over time. So I think uh, range of outcomes is extremely wide and that is what makes assessment of these businesses extremely uh, challenging. And the way I would approach it is, uh, first I would see, does the business have a sustainable competitive advantage? If it has a sustainable competitive advantage, at least survival is uh, reasonably sure and it will grow. How much it will grow, time will tell. And it will, it should be profitable over time. And then I would look at the possible range of outcomes. And uh, if the risk reward is favorable or if there is some margin of safety, I think it's a worthwhile investment, otherwise it is not. And in any case, I think given the very wide range of outcomes that these businesses uh, are likely to experience, I think it would make sense to <clears throat> remain effectively diversified across uh, several such. Uh... But I don't think there are any uh, easy answers uh, No, that, that's that's that that's really fair, and I think some of what is happening is um, at least a lot of companies in the U.S. in the past 20 years in the technology domain have been able to you know grow internationally, and people are just trying to say that okay, the same thing can happen in India. But yeah, like you rightly said, it remains to be seen. It's not um, a simple slam dunk that hey, you know what they're growing profitably and the market is really huge. So um, coming back to you know personal finance, coming back to kind of uh, the retail investor. What is what is that one piece of advice, right? In, in, in the 30 years that you have seen multiple cycles, you have seen probably uh, enough investors and enough investment biases. What is that one advice that you would want to give to uh, to uh, you know uh, our users and our viewers on how they should manage their portfolios? See, I think equities appear to be deceptively simple, but they are not easy at all, and uh, so I think people who have not experienced equities for a while, they should be cautious. They should follow certain basic principles. Uh, they should commit only the risk capital to equities. Risk capital is that portion of your wealth which you don't need for three, five years, on which you can tolerate volatility emotionally and financially. Don't commit more than that. Never borrow and invest in equities. Uh, invest, I mean, I've seen a very strong correlation between valuations at the time of investment and the eventual outcome or the returns. If you overpay for a growing business, it may it is less likely to turn out to be a good investment. If you bought technology 99, Technology companies in India, the software services companies in India have never had one negative year. 
they've grown for the last 30 years. But if you bought at wrong piece for many, many, many years, you made no money. Yep. On the other hand, if you buy even a slower growing business, cheap enough, it may turn out to be a better investment. So I am not in that camp, uh, though time will tell whether that view is right or wrong. I'm not in that camp that says that for a quality business, any price is good, it does not matter. I have seen a very strong correlation between uh, entry valuations and returns. So we should pay heed to not just growth, but how much of that growth is already built into that. And finally, I think the future is uncertain and neither me nor anyone else is in a position to forecast the future. So I think it makes sense to remain diversified across uh, businesses because I'm sure, especially in these new age businesses, many will disappoint and some will have absolutely wonderful success. But the key is, uh, you know, not to uh, those, uh, you should not be overexposed to businesses that don't do well. So I think reasonably well diversified portfolios, especially in new age businesses, I think is advisable. Great, great. That that's very helpful. Just one last, just one last question, right? I mean, um, do you? And and this is more of a hypothetical question, right? Uh, how does a retail investor, right, uh, who has a day job, who's working a day job, and is probably also investing, and you know, some of the things you talked about, you have to understand the uh, underlying mechanics of an industry, what kind of drives profitability, what drives growth. Um, so, how does a retail investor become good at these things? Is it just a matter of time and kind of keep on applying yourself and then hopefully one day you have enough or because, you know, it's also like you also kind of alluded to earlier on. Um, investment management is a, a very competitive field. There are a lot of investors each trying to kind of, you know, uh, find out the next stock or the next company that's going to give them great returns. So how does how does a retail investor fit in this whole picture? I don't think there are any easy answers. And even after spending 11, 12 hours a day for 30 years, five, six days a week, I still make a lot of mistakes. So, uh, so I don't think the answer is simply in the number of hours. And uh, I think largely this business is common sense. Okay. And uh, EQ also plays a very important role, more important than IQ. I don't think this business needs uh, lots of uh, IQ. What it does need is lots of common sense, lots of emotional stability, and to my mind, focus on uh, value. And these are part of your aptitude. And I don't feel that spending hours on spreadsheets are going to give you the right aptitude. Of course, you can read to uh, listen to others. You can read the experience of others, and you can develop uh, that aptitude or whatever you think is right for you. I think, uh, but please appreciate a capital market is one place where behind every trade there is a buyer and there is a seller. 
for the same company, same time, same price, same everything, same EPS, same PE, same estimates. The two people think differently. And unless the two think differently, the trade will not take place. There is no market without a, without a difference of opinion. There is no market. So I think uh, we have to uh, live with that and may the person with the right aptitude, right thought process. Uh, in. But um, in all humility, I would also say that in my uh, three decades in these markets, the majority has seldom been right. Whatever the majority has done, whatever, it has proved to be not a great investment. And I can give you a list of 10 such uh, instances. I think the investor should be doubly sure, doubly cautious when they are on the side of the majority. Perfect, perfect. That's very well said, Prashant. And I think uh, one of the th key things that will stay with me is that equity look, equity markets look deceptively simple. I think that's probably a very profound statement. It's a very deep statement. Thanks so much, Prashant, for your time. Um, really lovely uh, chatting with you today. Pleasure, Khan. Thank you. Thank you. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme-related documents carefully.